Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, CJ Kelly. She's the chief customer officer and co-founder of Flexia Pilates, a connected Pilates company, which provides reformers and accompanying online streaming classes. Her focus is connecting all the facets of the customer experience to drive success. Welcome to the show, CJ. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here because I feel like connected Pilates is almost like the last frontier that hasn't been tapped into. So just to kick things off, why don't you share a little bit about your professional background, kind of where you got started and all those twists and turns that ultimately led you to found Flexia? Mm -hmm. Oh, where do I start? I actually, my bachelor's is in entertainment business. And so I actually started in the music and film industry. For anyone who's really familiar with that, I was a studio manager at a post-production house in Los Angeles for several years. And I was 21 years old at that time. It was quite an experience to kind of be immersed in this very fast-paced environment with really strong women. That was something that really stuck out at me, right? There weren't a lot of women in that industry, but the ones that were, were incredible incredible at their jobs. And I had a pivotal personal thing happen. My brother got sick with cancer and I had this moment of what are you doing with your life? Is this really what you want to do? And I ended up sort of switching gears and I bring this up not to like make anyone go, oh, you should feel bad. But that it was this moment of what am I doing? What impact am I really making being a studio manager in the film industry? And I decided to change my life and started I went into the nonprofit world and realized at the end of that that you know mini career everything is basically the same it doesn't matter whether you're selling a service it doesn't matter whether you're selling hardware it doesn't matter if you're selling uh, a feeling right and that was my eye-opening experience working for this nonprofit oh we're selling a feeling and this was back in you know 2000. Fine, <laughs> I'm aging myself. And I went, holy, holy, right? Like my brain had just exploded. Oh, I'm selling a feeling. And when I, I lived in Japan at the time, working for the USO out there, came back to the United States and was like, okay, what are you going to do with your life? Right. The nonprofit thing, I'm selling a feeling, but it's all the same, right? The same headaches of often being one of the only women in the room, not feeling like I had the decision-making power or empowerment to make decisions that I wanted. And I went, I took a job working for a branding agency. That was wonderful, right? Ops director of a branding agency learned a whole lot of information. Shout out Album down in Southern California. They're also a surf, custom surfboard company. And I just, I immersed myself in these different types of businesses over my career. I wasn't really in the exact same industry. And I think that that's really what propelled me. From there, I started working in e-commerce as the head of growth for an e-commerce company that started 
another female founder started at her kitchen table. And I realized she was really the first boss that I worked for that empowered me to make decisions. That said, what is your gut? What does your intuition tell you to do? Yes, there's numbers on that you know, chart over there. But also, what, what do you feel about this? And that sort of put two and two together. Oh, that's right. We're selling the feeling. And I want to bring this back to, you know, what I do now at Flexia, because I, at this time I was going through my Pilates teacher training, right? What do I really want to do? I had fallen in love um, again with Lotties when I was living in Japan. And so I decided I'm going to go get my teacher training. And I went through the Bassey teacher training, which usually takes, you know, two, two solid years to do. So 500 hour course certification. And I started putting two and two together in my life. Like how, how do I get that feeling of giving back that I wasn't getting anywhere else in my jobs. And that's sort of what directed me into teaching Pilates full-time. And then also realizing no matter what you're selling, right? Pilates, branding, USO is selling, you know, making money for military nonprofit. We were selling a feeling no matter what you were doing, right? It was either belonging or acceptance or, you know, empowerment, that, that's really what it was. And to me, that's, that's the magic of like my background is this, I've, I've worked in a lot of places and I think what really drove me to Flexia and really starting my own company before Flexia was I wasn't seeing anyone do it, right. Do business the way that I wanted to do business. And that was a big shift for me. I worked for you know, and an angel uh, for a while worked for a few startups in San Francisco. One is still doing incredibly well. Um, also, a female founder. At, and at the end of the day, I realized like I'm still not doing business how I wanted to do business. There was something missing. And empathy was really what it was, right? I wanted a boss that cared if I came into work feeling good or not feeling good. And, you know, how did that impact my performance? How did that impact my relationship to the customers that I was serving and the feelings that we were serving them? And so I started my own consulting company and started teaching other teachers how to make money, right? I, I jumped into teaching full time and went, oh, this is interesting, right? Hourly rates are low. A lot of us work in the studio system, but we don't have a lot of control. How, how do we really go out on our own and, and start to really generate money? And I lived in the Bay Area. I don't know about everyone else. Cost of living is very high in San Francisco area. And I'm like, how do I go back to my, my head of growth salary, right? How do I, as a teacher, how do I get to that point? And so I started teaching other teachers how to use technology that worked for them. So everything was definitely like one-on-one -on -one coaching, more or less getting into their businesses, deciding what worked, what wasn't working and optimizing from there. And what I really noticed was not just the lack of maybe technology, which can be learned, but no one was really considering the customer journey. And that leads to success of your business, right? And especially in Pilates. And no one was really doing that, right? The, the journey in Pilates is try to market to them. <laughs> we'll talk about the studio model. Try to market to them. Uh, let's say they walk into your door. What do you do? Your front desk person usually greets them, right? Tries to sell them something if they haven't already been sold somehow before they got in. And 
that was not always nurtured. The person walking in wasn't always nurtured. And so I started doing that with local studios, right? Not just teaching them how to market and who to market to, but also how do you really speak to that person when they walk in your studio? Do they feel welcome? Is their parking easily accessible? Are they stressed out when they walk in because they're 20 minutes late to a class, right? Because they couldn't find parking. That was a really interesting and pivotal point for me. Yeah. So I know it was long. (laughs) No, it was great because I think, you know, it's, it's funny, like something that you mentioned numerous times was feeling, right? And typically people are like, there's no room for feelings or emotion in business. I mean, I have personally worked with primarily men in business. And I always felt, you know, women are perceived in the workplace as being very emotional and Mm -hmm. men are not emotional at work. And you have to like, kind of as a female, you had to kind of like suppress your emotions or suppress your feelings and just be all about business to really succeed and rise up in the ranks. But you know, you made a really good point because, you know, my background in in leading sales teams and, and marketing is you do have to lead with empathy. You do have to, you know, people buy off of emotion and they stay mm-hmm. for logical reasons, right? They keep coming yeah. back because it's a good product or it's a good service, but they buy because of, especially in fitness, because of emotional reasons, right? And when you're relationship selling, not just selling when somebody walks in the door, like off of, you know, price or what have you, you have, you have the opportunity to find out those emotional triggers, but even more so to create a connection. And that's what it's all about creating a connection with somebody else, because I think we need to get away from these like transactions, right? And start looking at people as people. And, you know, that's something that when you do it that way, sales and marketing feels so easy and effortless because you're not worried about what do I have to say? You're just trying to connect and find that common ground with the other person. And then the asking for the sale, the numbers, that's just kind of like, secondary or maybe even like last on the list, right? You're just worrying about making that person feel good. So when you say that you're changing the way that you do, you know, one of your philosophies is you're trying to change the way business is done in Pilates. And I'd love to hear about how you're doing that through Flexia. Oh, that's such a big question. (laughs) Such a big answer. You know, I, I want to explain why, like what this is and why I want to change the way business is done, not just in Pilates, but fitness. You know, that was what my consulting company was really founded on. I want to change the way we do business in Pilates because it, it just wasn't working, right? Lots of people were working lots of jobs. Clients weren't always getting the best experience because of that. We're running into the studio and we're running out of the studio. And, you know, how do we, how do we just make that better? For the teacher first. I didn't really know truly how I was going to get to this big, I call it the BHAG, <laughs> this big, very audacious uh, goal. And it has been written in black Sharpie on a poster in my office for five years, right? Changed the way we do business in Pilates. And for many years, I didn't, I didn't see anyone else really putting themselves out there doing how I thought that vision was going to come to life. So I just kept every day, right? Showing up, showing up, showing up, trying to get towards this goal. And 
And I had met Kayleen, our founder, she's our CEO at a Pilates conference several years ago. And just remember being not awestruck, but, you know, the fangirl, wow, this, this woman's like, she's legit. (laughs) She, she was doing Pilates maintenance, which was dominated by, you know, men manufacturing in Pilates was dominated by men. And I remember just kind of going, wow, this, I've got good vibes off of this girl. She's really nice. You know, I wonder what she, I wonder what she's going to do. I, I knew that what she was doing then wasn't wasn't the full picture. And a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, <laughs> a couple of years ago, she comes to me and says, "Hey, um, I need some advice. I'm branding this company, and I'd like to talk to you about it." So you know, so and so told me to talk to you. And I get on a call with her, not knowing that you know, Flexio was a thing. And she starts telling me about it. And my eyes just start lighting up, right? My whole body lights up and looks at my sign behind me and goes, I don't know if I can curse on this. I have to be very careful not to say things, but I'm like, holy, holy crap. Like what she is envisioning is directly how I see us changing the industry in bodies. She didn't even give me the full story, right? I was, I was new to her, right? And then, gosh, what year is it? 2021 or early, early in COVID. So she had already been doing all of this stuff. She's a mechanical engineer for a little backstory on her. She had already been drawing everything for this new reformer, right? She spent six years traveling the United States, fixing equipment, trying to figure out in-home solutions for people and figured out what was and wasn't working. And so behind the scenes, while none of us are paying attention, right, she's creating this reformer. And I'm like sitting there, you know, it's, it's now early COVID and I'm just like, oh, you know, what am I doing with my life? I knew like I knew I was helping as many people as I could, you know, survive, especially in the beginning of COVID, pivot their business. And I just kind of paused and I was like, what are you doing? And I came to this moment of relaxation. And an email pops into my inbox from Kayleen. Hey, I'd love to talk to you about building our website. And of course, I write immediately back. Yes, yes, yes. When can we talk? And really, the rest is, is, I don't want to say history, but it doesn't seem like that long ago, even though it it feels like it. At the same time, so much has happened since that moment. We started working together. I realized her true vision for how she wanted to influence the Pilates industry and change the Pilates industry resonated so highly with me that when I look at that big, you know, poster in my office, it, it's the same thing. And I never realized that you could meet, right? You meet your like business soulmate that really sees things so clearly in the same way. And what we're doing at Flexia hasn't been done before. And I realize that's kind of strange. I don't often say that. I always say, well, art, right? Everything's been done before. It's just a new interpretation. What we're doing is we're building new technology, right? We're bringing sensor, first of its kind, sensor technology to the Pilates reformer. And we wanted, you know, our big hairy dream really is not to, is to allow people to find joy in their body and in their movement. You know, one thing I noticed a lot in the studio model is not everyone feels welcome. So just starting there, right? Do they even feel welcome to walk into the studio? 
you know, do teacher, maybe they'll touch someone in the class, but they won't touch you. How does that make you feel, right? When you're the only one who's not getting hands-on adjustments and you've, you've been okay with that. Like you've said, oh no, no, hands-on is fine. How does that make you feel? You should feel alienated. It doesn't make you want to come back. And what if you walk into that studio and no one else looks like you in there? You're not going to want to take class. And so it's not just an at-home solution for us. It's about creating an online community, people who can work out in the comfort and safety of their home. And on top of having a reformer that fits their body, it is the widest, longest carriage that is on the market, right? It is easy to adjust. That's also like a big pain point for a lot of people. There's a lot of reformers on the market. They might buy one for their home. There's no online studio that tells them how to use that specific reformer. So then they're still having to pay for an instructor, right? To come in. And I don't know how much everyone else charges, but in the Bay Area, you know, it's a hundred dollars an hour for a Pilates instructor or more, sometimes even virtually. So, you know, you're still on top of that pain for your in-home experience, a very significant amount. And so we decided, how do we make it accessible? Not just body shapes and sizes, but also financially. And so the way we've priced the reformer, the way we've priced the online studio is a way that we can pay our teachers, which is very important to me as a fellow teacher, right? Pay our teachers well and still generate revenue in our company and be at a price point that is more affordable than the current model. And there's other strategies we're using to make it more, you know, payment plans and all that kind of stuff to make it more affordable long-term. And then you've got the sensor technology on top of it. This is actually the first of its kind. We will be quantifying the quality of movement. I love that because yeah, that that's something that doesn't exist. And I think it's really interesting, like the irony of being a service provider and being a Pilates instructor is that you're giving, you're essentially healing people because Pilates really is healing and just, you know, long-term mobility and strength and, and it's just the best, but then these Pilates instructors are also making 20 bucks an hour. And it's like the irony of being able to give this gift to so many people, but then be struggling yourself. And I think that's a theme that really resonates here in the fitness industry throughout, not just in Pilates, but just in fitness in general. And it's, that's something that makes me crazy. It's you can be a service provider and provide value to people, but still make good, a good living. And you deserve that. I think a lot of people come into this industry and they're like, oh, but I didn't get into this for the money. And it's, well, that seems like a limited thought because it seems like you feel like you don't deserve to make money while providing value to people. And, you know, I think what you said earlier, your story of how this all started basically sounds like you manifested this, right? And I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very like black and white, like to the point, not a woo woo person, but then I'm a little woo woo. And I really do believe like when you have a vision in your mind And you keep, you stay true to that vision, like things show up. And when you're in tune with that vision, then you learn to pay attention to the signs because those opportunities might show up for you. But if you're not looking for them and you're not clear on what you want for your vision, you might miss those things. You might just Mm -hmm. dismiss them and not really hone into it. So when you're really tuned in, then you're like, okay, wait, 
this opportunity just came. I've been waiting for this. I'm going to jump on it. Let's rock and roll. It's it's funny you say that. A dear friend of mine, Kelsey, I had the pleasure of actually talking to her and seeing her a few weeks ago. And she said the same thing to me. And it hit me very hard in the face. Oh, you manifested this. I'm the same way. Black and white, but a little woo-woo. <laughs> um, I, I realized like at the end of the day, you have to be open to opportunity coming to you, right? It's okay to be closed off if you're not in that space of, you know, having things come in and then also listening to your intuition, right? What is my intuition telling me? And that takes a lot of practice because I thought I was listening to my intuition many years ago and that wasn't right. That wasn't right. But now, you know, I think it's, it's a daily practice right? Is that feeling mine? Go back to feelings. Uh, is that feeling mine or is that someone else's? What is my intuition actually telling me about this? But I feel like in business, a lot of times we're taught to don't go after intuition. This isn't a feeling. Mm-hmm. Go after, after mm-hmm. facts. Make decisions based on data, right? That's what people are always saying and they're so obsessed with. And I'm like, okay, it's a little data and it's a little gut, right? Yes. It's like when you interview somebody... <laughs> And you see that they look amazing on paper, but you just get a bad vibe. You've got to go with your vibe. I don't care what school they went to, where they worked before or their pedigree. You have to follow your gut instinct. Anytime I haven't followed my gut instinct in business, I'm always like, oh, I'm going to live to regret that. And I usually do. (laughs) So one thing, yeah, (laughs) one thing that you mentioned earlier was building a community. And I think that's something that so many businesses talk about really building in the community. And I think online, there are some challenges with building a community. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, I think a lot of people have different strategies for for building community online. At at the end of the day, it's not, to me, it's not even a strategy. It's doing right by people. Maybe that is the strategy. And branding to me is a promise, right? What have I promised you that I'm delivering? So I look at brand loyalty in terms of products. How has Apple developed this brand following, right? But would we call that a community? Do they engage with each other? Really, right? I mean, you don't see people like looking at each other and high-fiving each other because they got an iPhone. Maybe maybe back when the iPhone 3 came out, we're like, oh yeah, right? You're one of me. But there's something about that sharing of brand loyalty that sort of starts it. But building a community online, I could talk for hours about this. I want to bring up a company that does this really, really, which is Tonal. And they, I I watch, let me back up. I watch a lot. I pay attention a lot to what a lot of other companies are doing, what they do really well, what resonates with their people. And if we talk very simply about how certain companies do this really well, it's about engaging their clients, right? How do you do that? You start a conversation. Well, what if the conversation, like, your customer service person just says something and it's a statement. It's not open-ended. It's not another question back. Well, if you were in a conversation like we're having right now, we would stop talking, right? And something that Tono does really well, you know, is something we do here at Flexia as well is continue a conversation. In, in marketing and customer support, we call that nurturing, 
right? There's always a term for what we're doing, but really it's about just talking to people like they're regular humans. I'm a human on the other side of those DMs. I'm a human on the other side of my email address. And I think recognizing that first, when someone's coming in and they're, let's say, just upset about something, right? They're in the community. I want this exercise program instead of this or whatever. Empathy goes a long way, right? Has this person had a hard day? (laughs) How can I serve this person, right? Rather than just assuming that I know what they want and I know what they need, I need to be an active listener and I need to be inquisitive. I need to ask myself, you know, how are they, why are they feeling this way? Right. And then ask those questions and then nurture that. And when I think of community engagement on the positive end, that's building a team of advocates, right? Some people call them brand ambassadors, you know, Canva for a long time called them evangelists, but really it was about creating people that fell in love with your brand that felt a sense of belonging, right? They felt like they belonged there. And I'm going to go back to Tono for a second because they've been around for many years, like several years now. And even in their Facebook groups, you watch some of these longtime tonal advocates answering questions for the mo- like the moderator doesn't even have to step in, right? Or one of their customer support people doesn't even have to step in because they've created conversations where people feel not that they know each other, but that they feel confident and comfortable talking to each other. And to me, that is the goal, right? The goal is to create a group of people that could be sitting around in a living room having a conversation and it just feels comfortable and it just feels right. And it's hard to do that when we talk about connected fitness, right? With Facebook groups, a little bit easier. Something that I've noticed other connected fitness companies doing that we will be doing here at Flexia a little bit differently, but is, you know, some people do group rides, right? They schedule a group ride. Hydro does this, right? They schedule a group, a group rowing session. And there's something really awesome about going, okay, so what if we just do a Netflix you know, watch group, right? That's essentially what they're doing. They're, they're taking a group of people who really want to row together, really want to do Pilates together and they're putting them in a group. And that's so much more powerful. It's just like a small group class, right? It's so much more powerful in that way than to just take a massive live class with thousands of other people. And you may never see any of your friends on the leaderboard because there's only so many spots. And when I think of going back to what is so amazing about studio experience with Pilates is being able to go with your friends, right? You have the same five, six people in your group class every week, you know, their names, you know, their kids, you might go get coffee or like a cocktail after class, right? You know who they are. How can we bring that to an at-home experience? And it is possible. And that is what we're doing at Flexia. You want to take a class by yourself? Great. You also want to take a class with your favorite people? We can do that too. Right? And that's something that's not not currently occurring in the space, especially in Pilates. Right. It's not. And I think, you know, I 
you know, one of the questions that I want to ask you is why do you think Pilates hasn't been as mainstream as yoga, right? I think Pilates is kind of like off the radar. I think, you know, one of the reasons has been, it's been kind of, first of all, is Matt Pilates real Pilates? <laughs> Answer that one first. Cause I feel like <laughs> a lot of the, the, you know, it's okay. Well, Matt Pilates is really accessible. I can go to my Globo gym and have a Matt Pilates experience. But if I want the reformer Pilates, that's really expensive. And it's either like yep. the sexy soccer moms that like don't work and are just going to class after drop off. Or it's like elderly people that are really injured that can only really safely work out during Pilates. So mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. kind of, so I guess there's two questions there, right? So one is Matt Pilates, real Pilates. and Two, why do you think Pilates is not as mainstream as yoga? My mentor, Rail, will, if he's ever going to listen to this, he's going to yell at me if I don't say Matt Pilates is real Pilates. <laughs> yes, I actually do firmly believe Matt Pilates is real Pilates. The biggest difference to me is, you know, Matt Pilates is financially accessible, but is it physically accessible? Right? It's financially easier. You grab a mat or carpet, right? If you've taken enough mat classes, you could probably do it or you go, you know, take a free something on YouTube, right? Completely financially accessible. But when we talk about bodies laying on the floor, trying to do that work, it is not as accessible as we all want to claim it is, right? It's very hard. The Pilates work, you know, core work, if we want to give it one word, is, is very challenging. And what, to me, I look at the reformer as a way to support the mat work, right? If I, if my body currently cannot roll up off of the ground, I might learn that on the reformer first, right? Because of the glide of the machine gives me support. I might not be able to do leg circles, my legs going straight up to the ceiling unassisted, but I can put my feet in the straps on the reformer and do that same exercise and I'm supported, right? So when I look at is not real Pilates, it is, it's hard work. And often people will say mat strong is a different thing than reformer strong. And I really do agree with that. That's why on in the Flexia online studio, we have mat classes. One, so that people can travel, right? They're not going to travel with their reformer. So one, right, they can still take class with their favorite instructor. Let's say for whatever reason, they're like, you know, today I just don't feel like the reformer. Well, then they have a mat class that serves them, right? It's still going to give them real-time feedback and all that kind of stuff. So second to this is ah, elitism is the word I'm going to use in Pilates, right? Early marketing of Pilates was, you know, tight spandex on thin white women. That's how it was marketed. And, you know, it was started by a man, but that doesn't really, what does that mean, Right. So in the 80s and the 90s, when marketing really took off, it was marketed to a very specific person. And I think that marketing, you know, helped to propel Pilates into the mainstream, but it doesn't propel Pilates, it didn't propel the same way that like yoga hit mainstream, right? You saw lots of bodies doing Pilates or lots of bodies doing yoga. You didn't really see a lot of bodies doing Pilates. And even now in marketing materials, since COVID, I'm going to be very careful with my words. Since COVID, you've seen some changes. 
um, in body representation, right? Skin color being represented. All people have been doing Pilates this entire time. We're not marketing to them, right? And by we, I mean the collective Pilates community, not Flexia, right? And it has been a core value of Flexia is that, you know, Pilates is for all, right? Pilates for all, for everyone. The high-level athlete to grandma with stenosis, right? To the 16-year-old who might not be able to afford the reformer right now, but Matt Pilates is accessible, right? Financially or physically. And I really think we've done a disservice in marketing as a whole of isolating people or keeping them out or feeling like we've kept them out because every major studio, every major brand for a very long time was only showing one type of body. And you could say that about the fitness community as well, but definitely in Pilates, it felt very only thin and only white and only women. And that is not who does Pilates, right? We know, I know that as a teacher, Those are, that wasn't my demographic in my studios. So Flexia, right? We're already deciding to do it differently. That's a, a core tenant, right? We're doing things differently. We want to move forward. We want to move this industry forward so that people, all people feel like they're represented in Pilates. So, you know, why do we have an app? Well, it's $39, right? It is basically the cost of one group class, one group reformer class. We've priced that very specifically, right? You don't have to have our reformer to use our work, right? Or to be on the online studio. We highly suggest it because of the sensor technology, but we want people to experience what is it like taking class from a badass teacher, right? That doesn't look like a Pilates teacher or what people thought a Pilates teacher was supposed to look like. Our teachers are highly intelligent teachers from all walks of life. And that makes me glow from the inside out because that's what we're trying to do, right? We want to show other people you can do Pilates too. Right. I think before it was kind of like, oh, well, after somebody retires from being in the ballet, they become a Pilates mm-hmm. instructor. And that's that's the flow of things, right? I know it sounds so yep. cuckoo to say it out loud, but it's honestly, you know, I think a lot of people sure. think of Pilates and, and ballet. So CJ, what's been the heaviest lift with or the hardest part of starting Flexia? I mean, you're part of you know, you're backed by Techstars, which I'm sure helps, but, you know, and, and you have this great co-founder, but what's been the toughest challenge here? Hmm. So there's three of us, Kayleen, our founder and CEO, David, our chief technology officer, and me. We're backed by, you know, a group of contractors that help support all of us in this push forward. I'll be real honest, it's hard to raise it's historically hard to raise money as a female founder. There is data around this. <laughs> this isn't, and I would say that 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 would I'd have to pin it at that, right? Originally, that was what I thought was going to be our hardest thing was being believed that we could do this, right? Oh, so you're just the next Peloton for Pilates. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, we are, except for measuring a lot more. <laughs> and by the way, we can actually do this. 
And what has been really surprising is this thing that I thought was really heavy. It's actually like a superpower, right? I thought, oh man, this is, and, and very trusted um, advisors of mine in my life told me, right? People who've been in tech and have raised money, men with a lot of compassion for women founders were like, you know, it's going to be hard, hard. The deck is stacked against you simply because, you know, you're in your thirties and you're a woman and it's Pilates. And so people might think that this is a lifestyle brand that you're trying to bring forth into the world. And my eyes have been opened. I was blessed to go through YC with one of the startups that I worked with in San Francisco. And, you know, I'm so glad I'm, I'm 36 going through Techstars and feel very confident in who I am as a human being. And that I'm also very open to learning and know that I don't know everything. Techstars has opened the door. They have opened the door for us. And, you know, we're one in, in this cohort. There's lots of Techstars groups around the U.S. and internationally. And each one is focused on a different industry. Ours is sports. We're one of two women-founded companies at Techstars this year. And I am honored to be in this program and to be a female founder. And we are raising money. People believe in us. There's something really wild about, I don't know if anyone else will resonate with this, but a lot of people don't talk. A lot of men don't talk about the fact that they do Pilates. And, you know, we're here, we're pitching, you know, we've got what's called mentor madness and we've got several weeks of these pitches with a bunch of mentors and investors. And it was refreshing to, to start some of these conversations with, I am so excited to hear what you are all up to. Right. Rather than feeling, you know, like this was something that was holding me down, I felt emboldened to step into my power, right? My my feminine weapon, right? Of empathy and feeling. And let me tell you the story, tell you our why. And it felt great to to have that opportunity. And now standing where we are, two months into this program, we have one more month. I'm I'm honored to be in this group and be part of the Techstars family and have the people that are supporting us. We can't, you know, share all those details right now, but I didn't know if we could do it. And I'm like, Tier, we can, we can. We knew we, we could. We had a team that could definitely execute on this vision. And now we have steam and wind in our sails. And I just, I have to be very thankful for my business, my business partners, David and Kayleen and our team, you know, constantly being supportive of each other and Techstars just being like, you can do this. Like, how can we help you get there? And that has been just a wild, wild ride <laughs> thus far. And we're well, thank you so much for sharing your wild ride and journey with us today. Yeah. It's been so great to learn about the process, the thought behind everything and all the twists and turns that that have led up to you founding Flexia with your co-founders. So CJ, if somebody wants to connect with you or they want to learn more about Flexia, how can they do that? So you can go to flexiapilates.com. You're welcome to DM us. We're also at Flexia Pilates on Instagram. 
If you want to connect, you can always email me. I really am an open book. It's cjalexiapilates.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handle. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.